Welcome one, welcome all to the fabulous, fantastic ride that is Scouts. Yes, the Society of Collegiate Opinions on Underclassmen and Talented Seniors. It's your boy, J. Mike, running point for the moment. But this is a joint collaboration uh, by my fellow Scouts and I, uh, your favorite compadres, your fantastic five. Uh, so let's just jump right into it. Discussing running backs this evening will be this wonderful lineup with me. Robbie Jeffries from TFA. What's good, Robbie? Oh, just ready to chop it up with y'all. I know we we hit quarterbacks already, and we we did our best to uh, finesse that ever-difficult position. I know we've been pumped up to talk about these running backs, and we have a good class to do that. So ready for that. Next up, Cody Kutzer, also of TFA fame. Code man, what's up with you? What's going on, boys? Just uh, happy that I was invited back after the quarterback episode and excited to start this apparent new podcast that is the TFA Open Wager Manual. I, we're still still <laughs> workshopping the, the name. Not entirely sure where this is going to show up, but we, we might have just started a new pod as of 10 seconds ago. DHH alum and three-time, three-time, three-time Emmy Award winner, David Berger. What's good, Bert? What's up, gentlemen? Good to be back. Uh, this pod is uh, a bit nomadic in nature, uh, but I like that it's finding a home uh, in terms of us all, the stars aligning for us to all land together to talk, um, and whether or not it lands on a specific home... <laughs> In terms of a specific feed, this is like underground, man. We're doing like we're, you know, we're. It's like we're creating a. It's like a punk podcast, man. There's no rules. It's like we do what we want. We we get together, we talk, and if you find it, you find it. If you don't, well, then that's your problem. Last but not least, the DJ with the most, the biggest Whitney Houston stand north of the Ohio, uh, uh, Devi D himself. Dwight Peebles, Peebles champ. What's good, Dwight? What's up, guys? Where did this stand thing come from, anyways, man? Just I just noticed that recently. I'm like old guy, and like the first couple times I saw it, I'm like, what the hell is Stan? So, anyways, uh, yeah, maybe this will pop up on J Mike's journal. That'd be a surprise. Throw it, throw it on that feed. People are like, oh, I've had a rough day. I'm gonna listen to J Mike's journal, and oh, who are these clowns? Anyways, uh, what's up, guys? What's up, Dwight? Good shout out to J Mike's journals. <laughs> appreciate that appreciate that so so yeah the i want i want to do a quick quick exercise here we'll have a little bit of fun and again uh for those that may be new to the scouts uh this is us we are not professional scouts uh we are i don't even know that you'd call us amateur scouts we just this is just something that we thoroughly enjoy uh we enjoy being able to break down tape we enjoy getting ready for our rookie drafts we enjoy prepping content and safe to say that we're all pretty passionate uh, about the process and, and having a lot of fun in the midst of doing this. So uh, we're going to talk through some running backs this evening. We'll see how many we can get through in a reasonable amount of time. Uh, and we'll try not to uh, linger too long because I think that this is a very interesting class. It's not quite the group that we had last year, uh, but we'll see how, how close uh, that this group can measure up. So let's do a fun exercise real quick, guys. At the very same time, I need all of you to say your RB1 on three. Here we go. One, two, three. Nice. Michael Carter. 
I think I caught a Javante in there somewhere. Did I? I heard a Michael Carter. There was definitely a Michael Carter, and I know who it came oh my from. Gosh. No. All right. <laughs> Sweet. So, so we said. So it sounds like Najee Harris is a great place to start at the top of the boards. Uh, the absolute monster out of Alabama. Uh, roll tied roll with Najee Harris. He comes back for his senior season, uh, and he's the absolute engine to the Alabama offense. Uh, Bird, why don't you kick us off uh, with your thoughts on one Najee Harris? Well, I have to say, um, you know, a lot of the Najee Harris hype, uh, just starting off first and foremost, let's 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 be honest. The guy has been on major island games, uh, the college football playoff uh, was uh, a time when we all got to sit down, watch these games collectively. And there was like, a, it's not now it's like a group mindset, but you know what? Najee Harris went out there and wired our brains to see that he is the man because he absolutely dominated those games. Um, This isn't uh, some fluke performance. Uh, What I love about Najee, I think, is I think he has a pretty amazing balance and uh, he's got it all. I mean, this guy, he's a playmaker and he's coming out of Alabama. I mean, that's the long and short of it for me. Yeah, I mean, with with him at the top, it was really he, he is what he is, and, and that meaning a, in, in a good way. Not not saying that in a in a negative light. I think we all kind of know what what the name of his game is. It's for as big as he is, it's it's wild how smooth and how fluid that that he is, and the fact that he also has I think seventy catches over the past two years. I think he had forty three in his senior season. I obviously knew he was a, a capable pass catcher but when i saw the uh the 43 that kind of made a you know little little eyebrow raise um i'm not sure if you guys have anything negative to say about him the the one thing that i would nitpick with him and it's nothing i would you know move him down to like rb3 4 or anything like that but for for as strong as he is and as many tackles as we see him break if there, if the if the defensive line gets penetration on the O line, he gets caught in the backfield. He's not really creating on his own. You know what I mean? Like he he's not he's not breaking those tackles. If you can get him behind the line of scrimmage, he's kind of like it's kind of it. He's getting wrapped up and getting stopped there. But I mean, that's something super nitpicky. I really don't think there's too many you know negative things that we can say about him. Yeah, I, I I'd echo a lot of those thoughts. I think why he's the top of my board is when you place a lot of these guys, cause we know right and wrong. Sometimes I always say, I'm not going to let uh, where they go affect my ranking. And I say that every year and then they go to some place and I, and I say, I, I don't know about this spot, you know? So I think this is a player that no matter where he goes, I'm, I'm probably not moving him down. It'd have to be to a horrendous situation for him to fall. He can fit into most offenses. Um, he really showed this year, you know, he, he can be that, that, that three down receiving back as well, which, you know, 23 receptions. I think, uh, who is it that J Mike it's, it's, um, was it one of the dummies had, had put out kind of the, the threshold for RB ones. They need to have 20 receptions. Yeah. Shout, shout, out, yeah, shout out to Zach Reed. Yes, sir. Yes. Zach. And he kind of really noted. And I remember reading this a couple years ago that, um, you know, your, your threshold for a season, you want to see your running back get at least 20 catches in that year. And so he had that as junior year and then he went out and, and doubled that. So I think that was really impressive. 
took him from probably if he would have came out last year, he would have been maybe running back four or five, kind of in that mix with the top five guys, maybe at the lower end. And now, um, you know, one of the better backs coming out of this class, if not the best. So he is the one hundred and one for me. Well, if you ask and, Bird, the re- the reason why he had forty three catches is because Mac Jones can only throw three yards <laughs> on the field. It's true. Well, yeah, because that's Mac Jones was basically a point guard out there. He's like giving like chess passes. Um, <laughs> more, more Mac Jones ate up. And, and I'm so glad you went the direction that you did, Robbie, because I I do uh, spoiler alert. He's my he's my number one as well. And like you said, uh, and it pains me to say, being as much of an ETN fan as I am, uh, and as much of a stand as I was for ETN last year in terms of him coming him coming out, the or I guess going back to school, breaking my heart, and obviously having to do this all over again, and putting me in a position. So I blame Travis ETN. He put me in this position to not have him atop of my uh, running back mountain this year uh, with, and, and it wasn't because he wasn't good because he was still fantastic. It's just Najee leveled up and, and Dwight being as immersed uh, obviously with Debbie Manuel and being as immersed in Debbie culture as you are. Um, can you just talk me through not so much where you would have had Najee last year, but the, the player that Najee Harris is now, how does he measure up to that group that we had last year? Because I, I went back and looked at it and last year, I would have had him like it's just like Robbie said, around RB four or five. And this year, I would have had him uh, right there, neck and neck with with who my number one film grade was for, which was for DeAndre Swift. So, just give me your thoughts on on where you landed with who Najee is now and how that compares to last season. Yeah, I think he didn't. He's one of the rare backs that did, you know, increase his draft stock and did make the right decision. My going back. So I think I would have had him right around like same area, four or five. I would have had a uh, Taylor, Edward Solaire, Swift. I don't know if I'd have Dobbins over him. Dobbins, Harris, Akers, probably right there in the same bundle. I would put him right right in that, that range if he would have came out last year. So he obviously helped himself a lot by returning this year. He didn't, I didn't see a lot of improvement this year from last year. He just had a bigger stage. Like he did the same things he did this year. He was doing last year. I mean, he, he's been really good all through school. He just had the full complement of the workload. Alabama was cruising this year. So it seemed like he was always on TV, always in everybody's face, you know, and then the fact that there really wasn't anybody else in this class with that, you know, that was as dominant as he was. Well, you can make a case for Javante, but even he was sharing it with Carter. So Harris just was the name, you know, the name for this year. So he made a great decision by doing that. And and obviously ETN probably didn't. I think he would have been probably right in that same group there. I would add him right there with Harris, Akers, and Swift as well. Although I'd have probably had him closer to the the first three. So I say that right? Yeah. Last thing we'll do, and then we'll move on to someone else. Uh, with, with Najee Harris, real quick, I just want to go around the horn. Uh, currently, uh, Josh Jacobs. Uh, according to January 2021 startup ADP, Josh Jacobs is currently RB10. I'll go around the horn. Berg, we'll start with you. Josh Jacobs or Najee Harris? Obviously with unknown landing spot. I think I'm sticking with Josh Jacobs. I mean, the guy has games where he has like three touchdowns. I mean, that's just a fact. Like, I think Josh Jacobs is kind of underrated, to be honest. He doesn't have that high-end upside that I think we all want out of like that, like literally like Jonathan Taylor was getting killed for all season until he broke out. 
um, and just an absolute dominated. Um, I don't know that he has a peak like a, a Jonathan Taylor, but I mean, jo- Josh Jacobs is the RB one of the Raiders and he scores a lot of touchdowns. Uh, they might all happen at once. And he, you know, it might be like season long t- totaling up, but uh, those smash games are that I know exist in the NFL are hard to pass up at this point. I don't know. Not just, I'll take the known versus the unknown there. But I want to say this: you mentioned that the the class and you know the RB one of this class would have been the RB four of last year. But I have to say, um, and I wanted to say this before, then I I forgot. Like I actually like was kind of like the least interested in the running backs in this class until today when I really sat down and did preparation for it because I feel like there's a lot of potential value about to come our way with these running backs. They're going to slip down. This is like the running backs don't matter class. This is like, you know, these guys are going to probably have, you know, not the best draft capital, but they're going to have good opportunities and they all have skill sets to produce. So I think it's a, a class that's worth investing in because I think you're going to be able to buy in relatively low compared to years past. Very good. Uh, and we'll, we'll keep it here. One word answers real quick. Coleman, uh, Josh Jacobs, Najee Harris, which one? If we can take Josh Jacobs away from John Gruden, I'll say Josh Jacobs. But since that doesn't seem possible, Najee Harris. Robbie. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dance with Josh Jacobs still. Same age, by the way. I think that's worth noting. They are that's where I was going. <laughs> that's exactly where I was going. Dwight, who wow. you got? Najee or Jacobs? I'd go with Harris. Uh, I, I, I'm probably, for my money, going with the unknown of Harris as well on that. Uh, moving on, uh, we will jump down to uh, our next running back here uh, for the wonderful Scouts Running Back Summit here. Again, I, I cannot state how happy I am to see this player uh, actually come out this year. Uh, Travis Etienne, running back out of Clemson. Listen, you talk about speed. You talk about burst. Uh, you talk about the ability to break a big play any and all the time. Uh, that is one Travis Etienne that we are referring to. Uh, excited to be able to see his prospects coming out uh, and and to, to get a player who has improved so much over the years is an absolute joy to me because we see that he he once upon a time admittedly was scared of trying to catch the football uh to being a guy who catches almost 50 balls this season so cody uh just take me through your thoughts uh you, you know what you've studied to this point uh, regarding travis etn there has been a lot of etn slander filling up the the twitter tubes yeah. as of recent uh, yep. I, I I will say that I do think that the vision concerns are legit. I, I think that he's kind of one of those running backs who maybe he just got away with it so often throughout you know throughout high school and then early on in his Clemson career that he was able to just kind of hey that's where the hole's supposed to be I'm just gonna fucking run for it and we'll you know we'll see if I come out on the other side and there are a lot of times that he you know he does break those long chunk plays. His acceleration is absurd. His burst is absurd, like you were talking about, J. Mike. Uh, you know, maybe answered some of the questions we had with you know with his pass catching this year. So I guess if that was the main reason of why he went back, then he, uh, you know, that he he did himself right. The thing that I wanted to bring up to you guys is that 
the thing that's been popping up on Twitter is the the afraid of contact thing that he's been, you know, everyone's showing those clips of him turning his body and slowing down and bracing for impact. I went back and looked at like the 2018 and 2019 tape that I could find with him. And I didn't see that in, in those years. And, it, you know, there are certainly those instances now that people are doing the cutups and posting them on, on Twitter. So I'm curious to get your guys' thoughts on, on that. Is it, do you think it's just a case of like, oh shit, I don't want to get hurt right before I go into the league, and that's why he's doing it? I'm I'm just curious to get your thoughts because that that did not show up in his earlier seasons from what I saw. Yeah, I'll I'll jump in on that. Um, I'm not a fan of, of all the the quote unquote slander that's going around, but I will say I did notice that on a couple of uh, of instances. I I wrote that down, you know, afraid of contact question mark because he he spins a couple times where he kind of just slows up when that guy is deadbeat on with him. He'll, uh, he he won't, you you see with some other players, how if they're a power back, they're going to try and go through them. You see um, maybe a shifty back, which you think uh, ETM will fall under that class of he'd try and uh, juke him, but you do see a, a spin or, or a hesitation, which I don't know other than, than him maybe breaking something past that. I don't know how much that affects what, what we want in, in, in fantasy. I guess that's more of a, uh, something for a running back, a running back coach to kind of maybe coach out of him. But I don't know. I, I put it, his, his vision is good. Maybe I'm not watching the right things that these other guys are, but I actually really like his vision. The one, the one knock I did have on him was that contact, but um, his speed, his burst is up there. And I do like his vision, the way he sets up some of his blocks as uh, Jay Wayne's world would say from the FF dynasty, he can make your play or he can make your day in one play. I knew I'd mess that up for him, but he he's, he's that guy that can just take it to the house on a lot of different plays. Um, so, you know, I, I'm about him. Um, I did notice um, what you're talking about, Cody. I did notice that on some of the 2020 film, I didn't write that down for the one 2019 one that I that I watched him versus Georgia Tech, but um, so yeah, I did see that, but um, I'm not sure that's really affecting a whole lot of my judgment on on what he does for your fantasy teams because he, he's basically dead to rights in some of these. Where sure he could maybe break a tackle or two, but um, it's not really affecting my judgment on him. Yeah, and 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 seeing seeing Etn for for me. Uh, and I'm with you, Robbie, in that there are there are plays that he leaves on the field because he he might miss a, a cut here or there. But I think that on the whole, like he's he does a good job with his vision. It's not outstanding. He's not like breaking all the way back across like the backside or anything like that. But for 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 what's there, he he I I don't know. I I disagree. I think somewhat with what some people say in reference to his vision. Uh, but but what you'd hope for with the speed that he has is more lateral agility to be able to break somebody down and with the burst that he has just be able to you know I'm gone so when he gets going with when when the speed gets going uh he more of uh, just kind of beat you via angles like just a geometry major right so he's just like killing you with these angles but um yeah I, 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 hopefully as he continues to mature it's something where he he can build in some sort of I don't know creativity in his running because I feel like when he's when he's actually getting going, it's it's really special. So Dwight, uh, ETN, I know that you are you have been riding the ETN wave with me for a while. Uh, we are both big fans of his. Uh, your, your thoughts, your thoughts, sir. Right, like you guys both, you guys have all said the same exact things that people have been pointing out. And he doesn't have great lateral agility. He's not a guy who will who will make cuts in the backfield and make you miss. He's a guy that will see that vision, that that hole, and he will just go. 
He's got pretty decent con- contact balance. He can run through some tackles, but he's not the biggest cat in the world. He's not going to run through a lot of huge, like, you know, not going to break a ton of tackles. But I just think, like, what he brings to the game, the home run hitting, uh, the pass protection is getting better. His pass catching has gotten better. I think he he's still my number two, although it's kind of – it's very, very close, whereas it was – before the season started, he was my number one with a bullet. But as the seasons went on, I have noticed the things that you guys have pointed out, the shying away from contact. The, he resorts to the spin move too often in situations where um, it's just not – you can just tell it's not going to work. You know, like you, you see it coming. You know, and that's something – if. NFL defenders can size him up and know that that's coming. I mean, you can't be that predictable. So it's like you said, it's something he's going to have to work on. He's going to have to vary it up a little bit. I don't think he'll ever be like a lateral guy. He's just going to be a guy that gets north and south. But when he gets north and south, holy hell. I mean, he gets north and south very quickly. So That's good, Bert. Uh, closing closing thoughts here on ATN. My bad. Um, Emmys, you would know that Emmy right. award winner can't find the <laughs> fucking mute button. No, I had I have like eighteen tabs up. Sorry, um, I'm echoing this, the same thoughts as as you guys, and it's actually funny how um, because this is like a punk podcast, and we just totally no rules. We don't talk beforehand. How things are coalescing and aligning with the point of view on Travis Etienne. I mean, the guys, and this is probably what everyone thinks, but his big playability. I mean, listen, that's. That's what we're here for in fantasy. You want a guy that's going to break off five or six points on a run <laughs> or maybe tickle the house and get that 12-point play. I mean, come on. What, what are we here for? And then, like, in this kind of unheralded class, <clears throat> as I was saying, this is a guy who I've seen. I, I actually feel like I my argument is like a touch of everyone's points so far because I have seen the slander that was mentioned earlier. And, I mean, it. This is a guy that if he gets the opportunity, who's going to produce, he's a polished running back. He might not, you know, have like all the flash of, uh, you know, some other of a Saquon or something, but this is a professional running back. He's obviously someone who's improved his receiving. He seems to have good catching ability with his hands. Uh, I actually was watching a tape today and, and they called him what a third down option he's been all year for this team. Um, now that said, I don't think, you're throwing him the wheel route 20 yards down the field that he's going to figure out where that is and catch it. But I do feel like he is someone you can throw to and do something. I like that he returned kicks. I think that's a big thing. Like you guys were saying, I, d- I don't think that he's particularly elusive at the line of scrimmage, but he does seem, I actually, this is something that I don't think anyone's mentioned in terms of like his escapability. I actually think he's able to extend the play a little bit. Like, he like he busts things out in the right way, um, in my opinion. Um, in terms of maybe he's dead to rights inside, and then he's able to get a few more yards outside. He's not bouncing it out just for the sake of bouncing it out. Yeah, he's not a space monster. Uh, he's not a, a movie villain, a space monster. <laughs> um, he's not a guy I would say get him in space. Um, <laughs> but but um, like you guys have said, J. Mike and, and and Dwight, this guy, like, I mean, he work, <laughs> he works the creases, man. I mean, he, and that's how he makes dudes look silly because he just outruns them when he finds that crease, and it's go time. Um, and I and I echo what Robbie was saying in terms of his visibility. He does seem to kind of get locked on what he's doing at times, and not aware of what else is happening around him. But 
you know, it's a, it, this is a fantasy podcast. I mean, and we're doing this type of drafts that we're doing. You know, you want to be reading the stock value of stocks that are big, like talking points last week. You want to see the stock value of what Travis Etienne is. And if he's getting talked down and pushed down, if he's sitting there 108, 109, damn, that's a great effing pick because this dude is, like I said, he's a pro running back, ready to go. He might not be at like a he might he might be a third round pick. Let's be honest, but I, I just think that the guy has a lot of potential. One word answers all the way around here. Uh, we will go down to uh, this should be a lot of fun. Uh, RB fifteen in January ADP. We're looking at the one, the only Antonio Gibson. Antonio Gibson, Travis Etienne, Cole. Man, we'll start with you. One word answers only. We're going Gibson. Robbie. Gibson. Dwight. Child, please. <laughs> Bird. Echo. Gibson. Okay. Maybe I was, I was a little too maybe I was a little too bold with that one. I don't know where I could safely go here and, and try to fit ETN in. Let me ask you all just real quick. ETN fit into these next three guys anywhere. Uh, Aaron Jones, Austin Eckler, or James Robinson. Would you rather have ETN over any of those three? Again, Aaron Jones, Austin Eckler, James Robinson. That's his range. Yeah, that's his range. Probably over James Robinson for me, but it's close. Yeah, if I had some security with James Robinson, maybe I would take him. But um, I got to know where – I mean, the problem that we're doing right now too is like this is the fluctuating stock market of it all. It's like the draft changes everything. So it's like – But here's the thing, and I'm sorry you said saying that, Bert, because – and this is one of the reasons why I wanted to throw throw this exercise out here with with maybe not all the players, but as we go – with exactly what Robbie said in the beginning, we we get to we we get to May at, right after these drafts happen, the NFL draft happens, and all of a sudden we start doing all this shuffling after we did months of of work and all of this work of seeing these people for all these all this time, and not to say like you have to be stuck in in an opinion, but it is to be able to help us think through and to help the listeners think through who, whoever might be checking this out, what, whatever feed it ends up on, uh, is to be able to help people think through this idea that. If 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 I think this about a player, um, maybe maybe it makes sense for him to settle in this general area, regardless of where he lands. And if he lands in a crappy spot, maybe I don't drop him ten RB spots just because I don't like the spot. Because we know that we know that situations fluctuate year to year, moment to moment. Uh, obviously, James Robinson, the, the latest uh, uh, the, the latest flavor in terms of everything breaking in your favor and taking the most of the opportunity. So um, I'm just curious. That's, that's the only reason I ask. I'm not I, I'm not mad at anybody's setting of anywhere. Obviously, you're not you're not held to this. We won't throw this in your face later. Actually, I might I might record it, screen record it and send it in the chat and ridicule you later. But either way, we'll have a lot of fun with it. Code man. Last word. ETN uh, in that range for you again of Aaron Jones, Eckler and James Robinson. Over J Rob. Okay, cool. Uh, moving on. Next up, uh, who who is slowly becoming any and everyone's RB one of the class pushing RB two? Uh, Javante Williams out of North Carolina. Javante Williams being a guy who did see a ton of work last year and saw just about the same work uh, that he saw a year ago. However, you talk about an absolute touchdown. Monster, <laughs> 19 rushing touchdowns on the season to go with 1140 rushing yards and 25 receptions to boot. Uh, Javante Williams, uh, he's listen, 
you you talk about <laughs> maybe he's not a space monster, but he's an actual movie villain monster <laughs> when it comes to defenders in his past. So, Robbie, uh, take us through your thoughts on Javante. Yeah, uh, the first word that comes to my mind with Javante is smooth. Like this guy uh, just makes makes it look so easy uh, with his ability. And, and, and something that's really interesting, you talk about how he makes, uh, you know, he's a bruiser, but he also, you just brought up the, the pass catching ability. He is smooth and pass catching. You, you wouldn't you wouldn't think it uh, if you just kind of are sizes, you look at him, you're like, okay, he might struggle out of the backfield. No, he, he looks good with that. He has good, uh, good burst out of that backfield. Um, yeah, you talk about a three down back and, and not worrying about where he goes. He can fit in different ways that's that's what keeps him up up a little bit higher than, than etn for me because i think just spot dependent um might fluctuate etn's value a little bit for me i know uh, we, we just talked about that we shouldn't move him too much but i think javante will be pretty safe uh, regardless of where he goes really uh really impressed with the uh, second best running back out of unc <laughs> the flag that flag I no think way. I just tossed it over to Cody to to let let, let show you. Tell yeah. us your I'm I'm gonna need some time. Honestly, um, we we might just go right into Michael Carter talk. So someone should probably take over before this just becomes the the Michael Carter. Well, I I, I got a Javante take. Let's get it. If you would like it, if you would like it, yeah, go for it. Yes, sir. Well, first off, I want to give the Fantasy Authority a big shout out because uh, what motivated what motivated me to really because I I actually watched Carter tape before I watched Williams tape. Spoiler alert: one impressed more than the other. But then I heard Kevin from the Fantasy Authority declare Javante as his RB one of this class. And I honestly listened to his argument, and it was pretty good. I mean, he's a power back with speed. I mean, and it, <laughs> and it looks like serious speed on film. And the guy got – I mean, if you watch his tape, you're going to see him at the goal line getting it handed off because he's, <laughs> he's a beast at the goal line. And, you know, I wanted to fade him. Or, you know, originally I wanted to fade him because of his, the pass catching game. But he actually had the same amount of catches – the same amount of catches as Michael Carter. And he actually averaged two more yards per catch than Michael Carter. I did a lot of deep thinking about this today. Like if it wasn't North Carolina, these guys would be, I mean, the, the talk about these guys would, would be endless. Um, It's already endless. And they went to North Carolina, but if they went to like, I mean, I guess the most similar situation recently is, Chubb and uh, Sonny mm-hmm. Michelle, and um, I do think Chubb of the four. If, if we're putting all, Chubb is definitely the best back of the four. But I got to be honest. I mean, the upside of Javante and Michael Carter, now that we've seen what Sony did, is definitely higher than Sony. I mean, let's be real for both these backs. So, um, two really fun players. What what a what a gift to a program to have athletes like this north carolina is not known for football they're a basketball program i had a lot of fun watching them this year um play college football and i, I can't wait to see where they go where they land this it's, it's gonna be fun B- before this turns into the michael carter hour michael carter power hour uh i, I am 
let me just let me I'll, I'll fire off my Javante and then I will I will open the floor to you all regarding Michael Carter. Um Javante Williams, some of the here's the thing. I think that in three years that we can look up at this class, and I would not be shocked to say, oh, Javante Williams is the best running back from this from this group. I, it, it wouldn't shock me. Agree. Um, I, I think I think I don't, I don't think everyone has that claim to fame in this group, but I think he's one of one of maybe two, three that that could say like, oh, like legit best back in the class. Um, special contact balance, special break tackle ability. He's got more burst than you'd assume from a guy whose run strength is that that strong. It's it's crazy. The agility is not great, but he does have these subtle cuts. Very good vision to be able to maneuver, avoid congestion between the tackles. And like Robert was putting, his hands are a major asset. Huge fan of his hands. Um, the and, and this is this is the thing too with Javon. And this is what kind of scares me when when comparing him to um, my love ETN. I don't have questions about the workload that Javante Williams could could take on. I have questions about ETN to a degree because I'm just curious how offenses may pigeonhole him or pair him with someone else, either who is either more fluent in in the passing game or more fluid or who might be heavier when it comes to between the tackles. I, I think he can be the A side or B side to a committee. But I feel like Javante, like he's someone you could build an offense around, a la Derrick Henry, a la Nick Chubb, a la Najee Harris. Like there's someone you can build the offense around. So I feel like you have to search like with a fine tooth comb to find reasons why he wouldn't be successful. But but if he's if he's given the actual workload um, and I had put this in my notes, like he has like he could enter the endangered species bell cow list. Like it wouldn't be crazy for him to get all the work. Twenty two carries five receptions and just like get stupid work every game. So Williams is, is, is a special, I think he's a special, I think he's a special player. I really do. I think the only question I wrote this down and I don't, I hope people don't get upset about this. Obviously he's terrorizing ACC defenses. Is it possible that he's like a Zach Moss plus to to, to where like, I don't know. I'm not saying, listen, I'm not saying Zach Moss is as good as Javante Williams. I don't want people to get it twisted. But like the things that that Zach Moss did, I think he does all those things better. <laughs> all the well, things that people didn't like about Zach Moss, like Javante does those things. Like like uh, the, the old BASF commercials, we don't make a lot of the products you buy. We make a lot of the products you buy better. And that's basically what Javante Williams is. Uh, I mean, ahead, this podcast has no rules, so it is whatever it is. But um, it does seem we lean toward um, – film more than analytics so i do think the um javante rb1 argument will be settled when it comes to pro day i don't know that's going to be a traditional combine this year which is something we actually should talk about because that matters a lot for running backs and why i mean it matters for everybody but running backs in particular i think um their 40 time weighs heavily you know we're going to have those juice 40 times at pro days uh and we'll have to live with those and you know that's kind of what it'll be but i mean if williams tests it athletically at a high level i mean a little bit of it. <laughs> <laughs> go, ahead, go ahead robbie you have something else yeah i was just gonna say um a lot of these pro days are going to be run by um those from the nfl um 
So I think maybe that holds back some of those uh, juiced up times that you're referencing. Um, yeah, I don't think we'll see him run in the four six five like a Zach Moss. So I I hope uh, that that comparison is only uh, J Mike saying what he does really well, what Zach Moss does really well. Javante does that. Oh, and he also happens to be um, pretty damn quick as well. So a good athlete, not a bad athlete like Zach Moss. Right. <clears throat> so yeah, just just real quick looking at where DLF has him ranked. They don't have any ADP out quite yet, but if you do a super flex ranking, they have Javante down at 13 behind Kyle Pitts and Trey Lance. So he's yeah, technically going to make it down too. You got to assume that that's going to increase. Um, but mm-hmm. that's, you talked about Berg, you talked about values for these running backs. Our RB three is not until the second round. I think that's really interesting as we sit here in early February. Is that single QB? No, Superflex. Superflex. Superflex ranks? Correct. Man, it's so crazy how the waves go with, with – I mean, I know we're on the scouts pod, but in terms of rookie dynasty, I mean, last year was like draft a rook – draft get any RB at will early. And now a Javante Williams could fall into the – I mean, no, I know that we're early in the process. And then, like, all – like we're we're like in stage one and stage two will be like you need to draft running backs early and then like every pot will talk about that and then that'll push up all the running back <laughs> ADPs. But it is crazy that someone like that could be faded that far. I think what we're both dancing we're we're dancing around this with both of these guys here. You know, Javon, they're both extremely good backs. Javante Williams has the size at 5'10", 220 to be like a feature back to take on 25 carries a game and a handful of passes. Michael Carter is extremely good as well. 5'8", 200, is in, but he's still built really, really well. I love his, his quickness, his balance, his vision, acceleration. He does everything really well, but I don't know if he can take that 25 to 30 carry load a game. Cody's going to take a load. Anyways, but so like the way they were used at North Carolina could very well be exactly how they're used in the NFL. You know, Michael Carter is going to get a good hand. He's going to get a good chunk of the, the runs, but he's not going to get the touchdowns because he won't get, you know, once he gets inside the five, it's not going to be him. I mean, he's just not, it's just, it's, he can't pound it in like that, you know? So pound it in the middle, right? We got to say that at least once, check that off on the bingo card. So, yeah. So Javante Williams has just got the chance to be that top, you know, RB, like right in the, in the six, seven range, you know, where I think, the upside, the Michael Carter's best case is he's a low end RB one, more likely probably an RB two. So like, but they're both going to be very good in the NFL. I mean, watching Carter last week in the Senior Bowl, watching him block guys so much bigger than him. I mean, he's he's got some dog in his game, man. But both of these guys do. I absolutely love both of these backs, and I got them at three and four. So yeah, and I think Michael Michael Carter can be a three down back, just he cannot take the huge workload associated with a the workhorse again. Just Michael Carter from now on. Say what? <laughs> Should we just start the micro- Michael Carter yeah. podcast? <laughs> so for our yeah, listeners, from here on, we are going to be talking Michael Carter. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna give some stats and I'll see the floor. I, I will say I like Michael Carter a lot. Um, I, I do have some things I can say on him, but I, I'm gonna let you all run with it. Uh, for the sake of time as well. So Michael Carter, uh, obviously senior running back out of North Carolina, the running mate to Javante Williams, uh, also saw right there at the 156 uh, mark in, ca- in terms of carries over 1,200 yards, 
and also gave uh, gave us three straight seasons of over 20 catches uh, per per season there. So fluent and obviously the run in the past game. Guys, the floor is yours. Y'all can start and, and I will sit back and I will take it all in. I think we should start off with the segment with what I wrote about him in my first note, uh, which was, dude is a problem. <laughs> if anyone wants to take, I just feel like that should be like the prologue to someone else doing a better analysis. But that is how I, my initial gut reaction was to this guy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, pop open your cavassier, sit by the fire. <laughs> Cody, take it away. I, I would just say this, that in terms of just running back, like what, like as a pure runner, I think you can put him up there in the top three, just as like as a as a pure runner, like the like the intricacies and the, the nuances to the running back position, he just does extremely well. You want to talk about patience at the line of scrimmage, balance, vision, burst, all those things. And if you're going to sit here and tell me that, you know, oh, he's not big enough, yada, 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 and then you're going to put fucking Kenny Gainwell in your top five, get all the fucking way up out of here. Like, it, it, it makes it makes no sense. It really like Kenny Gainwell's listed at what 5'11, 190. If he's 5'11, 190, then I'm 6'2, 230. Like it, it, he's he's not that big. I, I, like what with Dwight was saying, is he gonna handle 30 touches a game? No. Could he be the one A, you know, the the 60, you know, the 55, 60% of the the touches? I I I honestly think he could. Is he gonna be a goal line back? No, if potentially if he gets into an offense that's willing to go more more new age in terms of uh, you know goal line offenses and going shotgun new age <laughs> yeah the, the the shotgun spread formation instead of you know bringing in a fourth offensive lineman and uh, a fullback and trying to slam him into the you know into the offensive line no you're not going to do that with him but i th- there were instances with UNC where they did just that inside the five you know three wide shotgun formation and you know he's he's fine if, if he can get the edge on someone he can't score he's not going to be running dudes over but he's also not going to get blown up either so just in like I said, with with the things that a a running back should do well, I think he has some of the best patience, but he's not hesitant. Um, it's it's I said this in the video I did for TFA, just that specific part of his game is Le'Veon Bell esque. Just the, the the patience of the line of scrimmage. I'm not saying anything else. I'm not making the comp to Le'Veon Bell. But the, the patience of the line of scrimmage to wait for the things to open up. He he takes really good angles. He he understands leverage really well. I noticed you know in the in the open field and at the line of scrimmage where you know if, especially if he's bouncing something out, he'll wait for the defender to come down. He'll let the the wide receiver take the block and then he'll take a, take the angle to the outside. So he's just a lot of fun to watch. Um, he he was the the big riser it seemed like outside of Dwayne Eskridge from the Senior Bowl, but I do believe that his size is like 
we're, t- we're hyping him up and we're talking about him a lot right now. But I think by the time that the NFL draft rolls around, I do think his size is going to knock him down NFL boards so that he's not going to be this big riser that everyone thinks he's going to be. I was just going to say real quick, if he decides to go the Le'Veon Bell, Bell route, his his initials are MC, so he could easily do a rap album. Take it, Bert. Chances are it'll be better as well. His size is a problem. Let's be real. But that said, I mean, we were talking about Senior Bowl. Let's go over the stats from the Senior Bowl. He had eight carries for 60 yards and a touchdown. And he had two catches for 15 yards receiving. So he had 75 yards and a touchdown in a showcase to be drafted. So as much as like we want to poo-poo the size, um, I mean, I know that one side had McCaffrey in the backfield already. The other side uh, has dudes from Washington uh, in the backfield. So, you know, he definitely was – I think kind of put on the radar this week uh, by NFL draft by NFL scouts. So the hype thing will factor in, but he had a great week at the senior bowl. It really can't be discounted. Um, and we, you mentioned the, I wrote in all caps feet with this guy. I mean, this guy uses his quick feet to control what he's doing. We talked about ETN. I don't think he's a space monster. Michael Carter is a space monster. He's a movie villain. Um, you know, he makes people look silly in space. I mean, the guy has the ability to just change a pace out of that stuff like not like none other. Um, I don't know that he has the home run hitting ability, but he does take things to the house. You, you do see that. Um, but it is more of the like 30, 40 yard range. It's definitely on their side of the field. Um, and you can't count them out. There's a play I saw against, um, North Carolina State this year, where it looked like he was dead to rights and uh, behind the line of scrimmage, and uh, he gets near first down on the play. They you can't tackle him by his jersey. I mean, the guy, he's so electric. As much as we want to give, I mean, I watched Javante and I watched uh, Michael today. Javante can definitely catch it. Michael Carter is a receiving back. I mean, this dude can catch a ball. Down the field, no problem. Wheel route, like up against a defender. He's a true receiver out of the backfield. And he seems strong for his size. Uh, I mean, the only thing that I can kill my love is like bad athletic numbers for this guy. He's he's like a thick shady. That's what I would call him. Because he, he is like, you know, we want to say his size, but the dude is thick. So... I don't know. I love this guy. I can't wait to draft him on some fantasy teams. I want to ask this, and Robbie, I, I will kick it to you first, um, and, and maybe we'll we'll just move forward because sounds like Michael Carter is uh, someone that <laughs> everyone's very excited about. The ceiling of Michael Carter. Can you take me through what his realistic ceiling is? Because I know Cody said he could be like a the the A side of a committee. 60 40 guy like the 60 guy 55 percent, like getting the majority of the work um what, what what do you say is his is his ceiling because when with the lack of size and uh i disagree with some what y'all have to say regarding his power because he got tackled at the line of scrimmage by one person a lot but 
doesn't take away from the back that he is because I think he's a really good back. But what's his what's his upside? What's the ceiling on him? RB two. So that so I think that's a really good question because when when we have brought up his size, I think that that does cap him at a different ceiling than some of these other um, backs that are in that 215, 220 range. Um, talking with Cody, you know, he, he and I have been going back and forth on, on Michael Carter a little bit. We're going to do a film review, um, just soak it all in. And I, I comped him to Austin Eckler, and we've seen Austin Eckler have some running back one um, numbers. So I do think he has that ability where he's able to take, Cody, I think you said it, you know, 55 receptions in a season I don't think is outside of his realm of ability. J. Mike, you're absolutely right. Uh, you look at Austin Eckler's number. He's not a touchdown guy. He's getting four touchdowns, a couple receiving, a couple rushing. Uh, I think that's what probably holds him back from being, you know, a locked and loaded RB1. But we've seen Austin Eckler kind of hang out in that RB15, RB16. You know, after all these running backs have leapfrogged him now, he's at RB17, 18, somewhere around there. So that's, that's what I think would be a good case scenario where he is that guy getting most of the work, kind of getting spelled by somebody else. Um, and I, and I think there's a lot of teams that, that have that opening, um, this year. So if he, he lands in one of those spots, I can definitely see that. All right. Go ahead, Cody. I was just going to say, J Mike, real quick. It sounds like you might be the lowest out of us on this. So bring, bring some balance to this conversation. Tell, uh, you know, tell, tell us some of the things that you maybe don't like, or you alluded to the, the power and disagreeing with that. Is there anything else that you disagree with or anything that you don't like from Carter? Yeah, and I, I watched uh, I watched him play Clemson in 2019. I watched five games from this year uh, as well, and I, I agree with a lot of what's being said. His his he's got and like you said, Berg, the feet come on like those uh, opportunities for Carter. For for me, they come just with with the power and the breaking tackles, like a, a chart a chart um, when you're tackled by the first defender at the line of scrimmage. Um, like it's one of the things I, I'll, I'll leave a tick mark every time it happens in games. And I just keep seeing in games like over and over, like multiple times. And it's not that he's not, doesn't have necessarily a lateral agility to beat those people. It's like, he's, he's just getting tackled. Like, right. So, so I don't know if it's a case where, Hey, I, I got to build up the speed to really, really show you what's up with breaking these arm tackles and stuff, because that happens. He's fantastic. But like at the line of scrimmage, I saw a lot of issues when he's having to be one-on-one with somebody in the hole. Um, the, he all, like the the agility is good, not ankle breaking moves, um, and I don't see as much creativity as I was like for for someone with his size. And his lack of power and pushing the pile, I think, does lower his prospects to be the A side of a committee. Could he have Austin Eckler ceiling? Yeah, he could. Um, could he also be a really good back and not get the work that we hope that he would, like Duke Johnson? Yeah, I, I think that that's well within the realm of possibilities too to be an absolutely fantastic talent. <laughs> to be a fantastic oh talent, um, but but to not get the work that you would hope for. So I think that, that, that both of those things, and 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 that and that's the kicker too. I think with Carter is that being realistic in reference to, we're talking about a guy that we're looking at likely taking around somewhere in the second round, depending on draft capital. Hey, could be early second, could be late second, and I, I think the fact is he 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 has the ability to be serviceable, or a really good contributor to your dynasty teams. Like, I don't think he's going to be like someone you can't play ever. Right. Like, <laughs> I don't think he's going to be that type of running back, but I think, but I think that he's serviceable to being a really good contributor for your dynasty teams. And if you, like you all are saying, if he's going to be an RB two with, with that kind of skill set, then great. I'm all in. 
especially in your PPR leagues, like that he, he's yeah, give me give me some. But I just don't see him as being in my eyes, again, my estimation, being with the rest of the group that we just discussed prior to Michael Carter. But but that said, I still have him currently with my film grade as, as RB5. So do with that what you will. <laughs> so I just I just kind of hope he uh, ends up on the Steelers. I would love for Cody to finally have that reason to become a, the Steelers fan he once was. And I think that might just be the only thing that reconnects him uh, to his long lost love. That's not a bad landing spot, by the way. Don't 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 do this to me. They actually <laughs> draft a lot of guys like him, Samuels. Uh, he would have a jersey ordered before draft night was done. <laughs> Give me this. This is low hanging fruit, and then we we can we can move on. San Francisco, a, a place where he can go have a split backfield in the Shanahan system. I love that spot for him. Great. I, I, I listen. Any San Francisco running back. I mean, Jeff Wilson had ten touchdowns this year. Like that's it. That's the take a shot. <laughs> <laughs> the so we'll move on before this devolves into more sadness for Cody because um this started started to turn sort of turn dark there. Uh, <laughs> one more guy that we'll dive deep into and we'll try to be a little bit quicker as we close out. Uh, Chuba Hubbard. Chuba. And, and I think that he's someone that deserves our time because of the fact of the heights that he saw last year, 2019, uh, <laughs> uh, like the, the 50 cent uh, lyrics, dang, homie, in high school, you was the man, homie. And then like 2020 is what the happened to you? <laughs> like, that's, like that's the that's it. So uh, 2019, we see a guy who leads the nation in rushing. He's an All-American, goes over 2000 yards, 21 touchdowns, gives us a couple seasons of over 20 receptions and we are like hey wheels up chuba hubbard like let's go uh, and then finally he becomes uh comes into his junior season and everything is just goes south from preseason stuff with coach gundy to getting hurt in the season to not seeing the same rushing lanes uh everything kind of went, went bad on him so he had 133 attempts 625 yards uh and five touchdowns and only gave us eight receptions in seven games which is not a great pace and not necessarily what you want to see there so um, Dwight, we'll kick it off with you here. Uh, I think that you've probably had eyes on Chubbard. Uh, Chubbard, that's weird. Uh, Chubbard, yeah, uh, longest. <laughs> yeah, Chubbard here. Uh, but but just take us through Chuba uh, and your thoughts on, on his game and maybe what, happened to, what happened to him here in 2020. <laughs> like you said, you alluded to the biggest issue was the passing the or the running lanes. Uh, there was often times where there was defensive linemen in the backfield, like as he got the ball. Um, but even with that, I still kind of question his vision a little bit. He was the beneficiary of a lot of big holes last year. And when he sees that hole, I mean, he's incredibly, incredibly fast, obviously, a big home run hitter. I do think he's got, let me see, he's got pretty good balance. Um, pretty His momentum makes him very hard to, diff, to take down. A little bit of an upright runner. So I think he, he has a potential, you know, with the way his – draft stock has fallen his name has fallen to be like a screaming value if he lands on the right team specifically i think the talent is still there you know there's there's things that to, to work with i'm kind of out on him depending on the on the price if he falls in like the third round i, I would grab him in a heartbeat 
you know, rookie drafts. Like I would, and without even thinking about it, because I think the upside is still there, but I just question his vision a little bit. And I, I don't know, just he looked a little too timid this year for me. Part of it was the injury. Part of it was the offensive line, but just a little worried, you know, so at the right, right spot, right draft value, I would take him, but not a guy I'm, I'm targeting like in the early second or anything by any means. Dwight, how much has your thoughts changed on him from last year to this year? Was it still a lot of the the same, you know, criticisms you had for him? Because that was something that I was trying to like as I was watching his 2019. I think I was looking at it from the 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 colored the the 2020 colored glasses, looking back at his at his old tape. But last year, everybody loved him. Was was it a lot of the same for you last year, or were you higher on him, thinking he was going to come out in uh, twenty? I was I was still a little apprehensive on him last year. There were a lot of big runs, you know, that kind of saved his games. There was uh, I want to say the Texas game where he was like a, I think he had eighteen carries for like thirty five yards, and then he hits a seventy yarder. You know, he that's just how he is. He's got that home run. You know, so he would he would have games like that where they would have to run him. He would get two hundred twenty five yards, but he'd have thirty seven carries. You know, so like there were vision issues and not as decisive as I would like to see him be still last year, even though his line wasn't great last year, but it was better than it was this year. So, yeah, I was still a little kind of eh, about him last year. I was higher on him last year than this year, but just apprehensive. I mean, I'm like kind of the number one Chuba hater. He had a weird year. And I, I, I'm actually kind of on Team Chuba now. It seems like it, I go the opposite of mess. I try to go contrarian when I can. Um, but I will say that he was way overvalued last year because he had like a million long-ass runs that, <laughs> that really inflated his numbers. Um, and I think this year was more of a true representation of his abilities. That said... The speed matters, right? I mean, if he gets in the right spot, especially a team with a good line, this dude, I mean, I would be taking a shot at this dude. So, yeah, I I was not about drafting him as high as he was going last year at this time. So, But now I, I feel like I'm interested again. That's why I, I actually like – I'm glad we did this because I actually feel like there's a lot of value in this draft now because of just how things have gone. Yeah, I've always liked this. Uh, like we said at the top, I don't think it's quite uh, the 2020 class, but I do like a lot of uh, guys in this class. Uh, unfortunately, I'm going to play the tuba for Chuba. A uh, little bump, bump, ba dum. Yeah, I think. Nice. The, <laughs> the, uh, thank you. I'm here all night. He he, he fumbled four times in, in just the three. I haven't watched a ton of tape. I'll, I'll be, I'll be uh, forthright with that. I've only watched two 2020 tapes and only one 2019. So I haven't seen a ton of this 2019 game other than what I just witnessed um, just from a day-to-day basis, but he fumbled four times in, in, in the three games. I thought that was a, a little bit more than I'm used to seeing. And this is where I, I think I want to go back and watch more of him because I, I'm, I think I'm the only one that maybe has this opinion right now, which means I probably need to go back and, and watch it. But sometimes I didn't see that acceleration. Like we know he's a track star. We know he has that speed, but I didn't always see it translate in game. Uh, specifically, Dwight brought up that Texas game in 2019. And I 
wrote down on two times where he tried to get the edge and maybe, you know, defender just had a better beat on him, had a better start or something, but he didn't get that edge where I thought maybe a speed quick acceleration guy would get that. So I definitely noted a couple of times where uh, that acceleration was a question. And then, you know, hearing everybody uh, talk about, you know, his track background and that's his elite trait. I think I need to go back and just watch more. Maybe that's just a couple bad reps and I don't want that to, to paint the whole picture on him. So he's incomplete for me. I'm definitely going to go back, but um, I'm not uh, on the Chuba train right now. Could change uh, in time. The uh, the one, uh, just to piggyback off of that really quick, the, the one, one of the notes that I wrote down with Chuba was, you know, despite all the track talk that we, we have with him, it seems like he really doesn't open it up until he gets into like the, the second level in open field, like at the line of scrimmage, he's like, kind of like, you know, Dwight said, uh, timid and, you know, just he's, he's, he's slow. He's, he's not, there, there's a fine line between patient and hesitant with running back to the line of scrimmage. You know, I, I talked about how much I love the patience of Michael Carter, but I think Chuba Hubbard is hesitant at the at the line of scrimmage and you know uh i i had the same thought robbie so i'll save you the time you do not have to go back and rewatch. J mike what are your thoughts yeah man i'm uh chuba <laughs> he's i think he he's somewhat of an enigma for me to actually no that's not true there's one other player in this class that's an, that's more of an enigma to me The vibe of this season for Chuba kind of felt like he never quite landed after floating to some crazy heights last year. And he's he's one of those people where, although obviously, Robbie, you you see a lot of basketball. Berg, you see a lot of basketball. You have those shooters that just kind of keep shooting and they shoot and shoot and they keep missing and they can't quite figure it out. (laughs) They just be on these absurd cold streaks. I feel like Chuba's one of those, like when things go bad for Chuba, like they go way bad and they keep getting worse. Like he just kind of never finds his way out of it. And he's got the game's breaking speed. He's got the soft hands. Um, He's got a willingness to finish runs, even though I don't know how much power he's got behind it, but he's willing to lower his head to, to do it, which is, which is cool to see. But he's, he's someone, and I'm with you, Robbie, in that, you don't always necessarily see the burst. You do see the, see the speed, but the burst to like get it going. Sometimes it's real. It, it's there, and it's like, whoa, that's crazy. But in 2019, one of the one of the major differences was in 2019 he is running through some like Zamboni sized lanes, and he is able to just catch ghosts on people, and it's like tail lights. I'm out. And in 2020, in the little bit that we saw, again he's hurt some, and we we didn't see him breaking off these like crazy plays like he did a year ago. The cool thing was, though, with for me, and I had the same questions with you all regarding his vision. The, the the vision is so inconsistent for him, and he's really good when things are clear in front of him, when he's got a little bit of room to be able to assess what's going on. But he does very poorly when there's trash, and, and that that stands out in this class. When and when when there's any kind of trash in front of him, he he struggles mightily. I think that his speed and his hands give him something to to be a special contributor for dynasty teams. It's the draft capital that kind of scares me. And and I think that his ceiling and you talked earlier about ETN. Hey, you can make a play in a day type of guy. Truber is that type. I don't know how many opportunities he's going to be getting. So I I don't know. It's weird. 
No, I agree with you. It's like you want to see like it, he's someone where we talk about landing spot. Like it doesn't matter. He is someone that I feel like the landing spot really matters. But that's the great thing about this position, though, too, is like, you know, I took a, sh- a flyer on um, Salvin Ahmed <laughs> from Washington, who was someone that was definitely less, you know, hailed or or or, or propped up than a Chuba Hubbard, and he was fantasy relevant this year. So he's definitely a name that we need to pocket and remember, and uh, not even pocket. He's a big name. He's gonna get drafted. Maybe you maybe you take him, maybe it pays off. Yeah. Huh. Hmm. Moving on. Uh, we'll 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 ease up on these full kind of discussions that we're having on these guys. And we'll be a little bit quicker in our assessments if we can to close out, uh, just so we don't totally lose the people who are who are still rocking with us because we've we've been going a little while here. Uh the, the next name that that I have on the list that I want to be able to talk with you guys in reference to uh is one Kylan Hill, running back, Mississippi State. Uh, someone who I know on the Devi landscape, and I know that Dwight can co-sign this, has been a name that people have had on the radar uh, for probably three years now. People have been excited about Kylan Hill, ready for him to break out and do crazy things. And after his junior season, uh, we saw him go for 242 yards, 1,350, excuse me, 242 carries, 1,350 yards, uh, on 10 touchdowns, he gives us a couple seasons with to- 20 catches. But there was a lot of sadness in reference to him going back to his senior season, getting with Mike Leach, the new coach there at Mississippi State, and things not really working out well And uh, on the field. Uh, off the field, I feel like he was doing some cool stuff down there uh, regarding the Mississippi State flag and everything else. But uh, in terms of on the field, we didn't see much from Kylan. So uh, just some quick hitting thoughts regarding Kylan Hill. Uh, and, and his prospects moving forward because I think we've got at least one pretty big fan uh, in the group regarding one Kylan. All right, yeah, I'll take it first, I guess. Um, yeah, I've, I've been a huge fan of his. I liked the last couple of years we saw how versatile he could be running inside and outside. I uh, like he thought he was really decisive. Always fights for extra yardage. I loved his toughness. Doesn't have like elite athletic ability, but he's a good athlete. And we really wanted to see him put the pass catching together, which we thought Mike Leach would do. He did play only three games, and he did catch 25 passes in those three games, I believe. So, yeah, we saw that. And then he's like, peace out. I'm done, you know. I'm not. So, like you said, I admire the kid a lot, like what he's doing. I read an article about him today, and I'm just like, he's got a really good head on his shoulders. I think he's a mature, good kid. I hope I have a lot of high hopes for him in the NFL. I think the skill set is there to be a, a very good back, like a complimentary type. I don't know if he's like a three down back, but a guy that could, you know, be a very good pass catching option, you know, take 10, 10 carries here, here and there, you know, like could if he's landing on the right spot. So probably not somebody like an RB one, but like a, a fill in, you know, that you can throw on your bench that'll have spot start here and there. So I really like Kylan a lot and I'm really hoping that he, Make, finds the right spot in the NFL. We got to quit letting uh, Dwight go first because I know Dwight has dove into the tape a lot more than I have. And I, my, I lead off with my notes here, my final thoughts for Kylan Hill. And I say, Kylan Hill looks like a superb athlete. And then Dwight goes and I hit the backspace a little bit here and I go, he's a pretty good, good okay athlete. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, no, I, I really liked uh, his athleticism. Uh, he hurdles a dude standing straight up against LSU. He's got some vertical. <laughs> he had a lot of good burst. I mean, we, we've said the word burst so many times. I don't want it to kind of dry out on this podcast. But if there's somebody that I would say it pops when he goes, that, that's, that's him for me. Um, I know a lot of guys have that in this class, but him for sure. And he's got a little bit of a mean streak. I don't know if you guys noticed this. When he is getting on that sideline, when he gets the edge, and he knows he's probably going to go out of bounds, he doesn't just kind of walk out of bounds. He goes, Marion Barber, I'm going to give you a little pop uh, and gets an extra two or three yards, which I don't know how smart that is, but I, I like I like the tenacity that he shows there. Um, using the passing game, and he makes a lot of plays when given space. So I'm not going to ramble on, but he was a guy that I watched later that I was like, okay, maybe this is my dark horse guy that I watch a couple more games on and see if he can slide up there for me and I can uh, uh, find who I'm a stand of in this class. It, it might be Kylan Hill. I want to say that Kylan Hill could be this year's Keyshawn Vaughn. Not in terms of a comp, like I think that they're the same type of running back, but – Keyshawn Vaughn was a dude last year that was a Debbie guy, a big Debbie guy, talked about a lot. Then the draft, you know, the lead up of the draft process, no one really gave him much stock or like, you know, really, you know, they said he's, but then he's drafted in the third round and suddenly his stock went up. I could see Kylan Hill having, you know, I don't know that he's taken third round, but I do feel like he's someone from, my Debbie days watching him back. I ha- I I unfortunately wasn't able to watch the most recent tape, but I remember him being a hot Debbie name, and I feel like he's an opt out right too as well. So he's gonna have athletic measurements that matter a lot more than other guys in terms of the tape for the year. So he's a you know if this is a fantasy football podcast, he's definitely a name that if you could get cheap could ticker up in price and you could flip him for something else because maybe the NFL will value him more than, than everyone else in the landscape at the moment. Cody, we can't, we can't leave Kyle in here without you, you getting a word in here. So <laughs> floor is yours. I like Kylan Hill, but I think he's one of those players who needs a specific fit. Like we were talking about like the, the Najee Harris's, the Javante Williams, we think that they can be good in, in any scheme. But I think that in order for Kylan Hill to be a consistent contributor to your fantasy teams, he has to have an above-average line, and he has to land in a in a gap and power scheme because I just don't think that he has the vision to run a bunch of outside zone to find the cutback lanes. Like he, he is – Robbie, you were talking about the, you know him – dropping his shoulder and being aggressive like he does that really well but he does it like to to a fault um you know sometimes because he again a very specific comp to a very specific portion of his game reminded me of Samaj P Ryan how he would just like get the ball and just like the hole is supposed to be right here I'm fucking running to that gap supposed to be right here that's where I'm going, and if I break through, sweet. And w- when that when the hole is there, when the lane is there, he's picking up 10, 12, 15 yards. Like once once he gets going, he does have you know he does have solid burst. He doesn't have that extra gear. 
I, I do like him. Um, but like I said, if, if he lands, I think where, where do you guys think he goes in the NFL draft? Do you think he's like an early day three guy? Do you think he slides in the back around two? If he goes day two, I am way in. Yeah, I'm way in. Way I mean, come on. on. I'm way in on anyone day two. But 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 I but I'm, but I'm with you there, Cody. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you, Cody, in that like he slips to he slips to day three, and all of a sudden, like we have way more questions and way more feelings to go up. Like, okay, I don't know. Okay, he landed in. I don't know. He went fifth round. He landed with San Francisco. Okay, that's pretty exciting to land in San Francisco because we know that San Francisco, everybody gets a chance at some point, right? <laughs> but, but like what? Atlanta, what, what, Atlanta. What, what, what if he went day three to like Atlanta and they didn't spend high capital on something? Let's assume they don't. They don't spend day you know day one or round two capital on a running back. He goes, you know, they maybe they double up and go like third round and fourth round on running back to Atlanta. I don't, I don't know that I'm excited then either, just because Atlanta's not giving us much from running backs, and I don't know if it's the fact that Atlanta's offensive line and scheme has not been great the last couple seasons, or if it's because the running backs they've had the last couple of years haven't been super exciting. Robbie, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think what what you all are saying is absolutely right. I mean, draft capital matters. So you could put X player fall into the fifth round that we thought might go higher. And it, and it puts some question marks for me. What puts even more question marks for me is that we've had two comparisons on running backs that Robbie's loved in the past between Samaj P Ryan and Keyshawn Vaughn, and both have been absolutely trash so far. Keyshawn Vaughn only one year, but this is another back that Robbie is kind of getting around. Maybe you guys are saving me. Maybe this is a good, healthy conversation but it's also making my heart flutter a little bit i'm a little a little nervous now i will say that i did not like samaj p ryan and i do like kylan hill it's just that that one very specific portion of his game he, he just doesn't like i don't know if it's a processing issue i i don't know what it is with him but it's just one of those cases where and he does have a couple of those reps that are, but like they're too far and few between where he will like slow down, kind of jump to, to, you know, to the next hole over and be able to like use some vision and some patience. But more often than not, he's just, he's taking the handoff and he's just, he's, he's hitting the hole and he's going. And a lot of the times that it, it, it works against him. Um, 2019, 54% of his runs went for three yards or fewer but they had, according to Football Outsiders, the the tenth ranked offensive line in terms of adjusted line yards. So it wasn't a case of his line was trash and he was, you know, getting swallowed by you know behind getting swallowed behind the line. Um, so that, that that was just one of the things that that stuck out to me. We we got a few more guys left we want to be able to at least touch on. Uh and I remiss to say. I'd be remiss to not say this person's name because I've got him in my top five running backs. Kenneth Gainwell out of Memphis. I, I will I will be incredibly brief with it when it comes to Kenneth Gainwell. Obviously, he had to um, quote-unquote wait his turn, but obviously part of the reason why Antonio Gibson didn't get more touches was because Kenneth Gainwell is amazing at football. <laughs> Kenneth Gainwell, uh, just, just an outstanding player. Uh, obviously, we have size concerns. We have questions. Um, we, we have... But, but what we don't have questions on 
uh, when it comes to Gainwell is simply from a production standpoint. Uh, again, I believe it was a sophomore year where he ended up getting over 240 some odd carries. Uh, he gives us over almost 1500 yards, 13 touchdowns. Um, just just an, a fantastic player back in 2019, and obviously opted out of 2020 uh, because of obviously the the effects that COVID had on his family. He lost several fam- family members to COVID in 2020, and uh, we didn't see him didn't get the pleasure of being able to see him in Memphis. So, uh, any quick thoughts on Kenny Gainwell before we move forward on another uh, another couple of guys here? But again, let's keep it keep it brief here. All right, he's still in my top five too. Like I love his elite. I think he has elite speed, elite elusive, elusiveness. Um, he uses vision well and he's patient. I just really hope that he used this year off to put on another twenty pounds and can still keep that. You know, if he puts on a little weight, he comes into the pro gay looking like a beast. You know, right up near two twenty. I mean, I'm I'm gonna be in love with him. So, uh, yeah, huge Gainwell fan here. And and Dwight, just quickly, and and I, I bury the lead. I feel like with his game, you talk about someone who can be used out of the slot, be used out wide. Oh yeah, he's on, incredibly he's versatile. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. He had over fifty catches in twenty nineteen. Like he's game right. was he's he's good. Other thoughts, guys. Sorry, I didn't mean to yeah. cut cut in there. I mean, I, I actually think uh, him and Carter have a lot of similar traits, uh, and I do think um, game was a little bit more bursty. You know, listen, Burst is – I heard someone say earlier, we say it a lot, but that's the, this is the nomenclature in which we're existing right now. It's it's tough to tell, though, because, like, look, we just had Antonio Gibson hit, right? It's like, are we going to have Gainwell hit out of the same program the next year right off? Very well could. Anything's possible. What are we really expecting from another Memphis kind of hybrid project in the NFL, his first year, he might be, you know, it might take him a little longer. Memphis seems to be, you know, we have Daryl Henderson who's already been usurped by uh, Akers a little bit. So as much as I want to love Gainwell, I mean, I, I do feel like there's a little bit more outside factors that are, are, are coming into play with him as a prospect in terms of fantasy production. I think it's a good place to put a pin in it. Uh, we will pick up. I think there will. We we've got enough to at least give a little bit of a part two uh, for our uh, scouts summit uh, regarding RBs here in 2021, and just to give you a taste uh, of a little bit of what's to come. Uh, I, I've got. I'm actually queuing up Ramondre Stevenson right after we finish with recording tonight, uh, and. You will the the next time we get together, you will also hear who Robbie has in his top five. Nope, check that top four. Oh, actually, wait, top three running backs that wasn't mentioned this evening. Uh, So please stay tuned with your boys over here. With I don't know what do we call this? The Scouts Network, the Scouts. I don't know the, the scouts pot. No, I'm gonna I'm stop. Uh, those who know, who, those who know, know. Uh, YK, YK, if you know, you know. Uh, so, so let's go ahead and let's go ahead and kick rocks here. Uh, great place to be able to cut it off tape uh, and whatever else you all say in Hollywood there, Berg. So, Berg, we'll start with you. Uh, where can the good folks find you? Uh, where can they interact with you? Uh, what's up with you? You can find me at Carl Jr. Listen, I'm I am every day. I I. I lament that I want to talk tennis with people. So if you want to talk tennis, let's go. 
I'm probably going to start a tennis podcast just to even talk to myself about tennis. I have a show premiering February 12th, Hip Hop Uncovered on FX, next day on Hulu. Let's go. Reverse, reverse. The white. Talk to the people. All right, guys. You can find me on Twitter at FF People's Champ. The Debbie Manual at Debbie Manual on Twitter. Cutups on the Debbie Manual YouTube channel and the Dynasty Nerds, where I'm also writing a bunch of rookie profiles right now. And looking forward to next time. Maybe next time we can do the last batch of, t- of running backs and some tight ends because tight ends are usually pretty quick. So we'll, we'll get back to you guys in a couple weeks on that. I just want to hop on real quick and give Dwight a big – I tell you what, in terms of my preparation for tonight, Dwight's cut-ups were huge. So check those out. Dwight, give a, a, a full address where to find, the, where to find those. Um, uh, I don't know the address offhand. It's a bunch of letters. Um, go to YouTube. Well, what's the subscription? Where do you find It's like www.youtube.com slash Debbie Manual slash CXWZ. <laughs> Question mark, dash, percentage. Capital T, lowercase n. You know what I meant. Give uh, yeah, a full just plug. go to YouTube, search Debbie Manual. There you go. You'll find them. Yep. Go, I'm go up to, to like 125 subscribers. I'm big time, baby. I, I love them. Berga, I love you throwing that out. I was definitely going to throw that out for all the people doing all these cut-ups for all of us that are grinding the tape. You know, uh, they're the real MVPs right now, so appreciate uh, Dwight, what you do, I know it takes a lot of time. Um, yeah, you guys can find me at NFL Robbie, rocking it with the fantasy authority. We're going to be giving you guys a lot of rookie content, um, as everybody is right now. So that is the season, and we are ready for it. Cody's on Twitter at Cicutzer, uh Cold Man himself. Uh, may as well be the uh, at least part owner of TFA at this point. I mean, daggone, they got that man working overtime. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at jmikecheck, at jmickcheck. And if you got any cut-ups of Jermar Jefferson, your boy would love to see them because they are few and far between to find. Uh, again, it's your boys from Scout Summit. Scouts out. Scouts out.